This week on Prepping 2.0. You gotta eat. And how you select, preserve, store, and inventory food is an extremely important topic. Our conversation about food preps. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. This episode is all about food preps. We answer Patreon's questions on the topic, but in doing so, we touch on how our new book, yes, we have a new book called Food Preps 2.0, addresses the topic. The book will be out on about February 1st. This is part one of a two-part series on the topic. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. Drip. Drip. Seems like water seems to be the thing. What happens when the water stops dripping? People die of terrible death of dehydration. Or they drink water they shouldn't. Hey, what is... Which is the same thing, sort of. What is a great way to check off getting your water preps in order from your list of things you need to do this year? Glenn, go. Pro One water filters. Pro One water filters are awesome for getting this checked off of one of those prep items you need to get done. It needs to get done, period, end of story. If you're without water, life ends really quickly. You can have all the food preps in the world that we'll be talking about today, but if you don't have water, you've got two days, and then the third day is a horrible, terrible death that you'd probably rather be dead than live through dying of dehydration. It's awful. Check them out on our website at prepping2-0.com. Click over there on friends and affiliates and you'll find them there with a coupon code and check out all our products. You're going to have your tabletop kind of gravity fed tanks up to whole home water filtering systems. Amazing products over there and we check them out. Speaking of prepping2-0.com, you can go there and look up top 100 list of things. That's a list of things that disappear first. And uh, this week it's number 44, something that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of, but when you hear it, you think that's brilliant. Insulated ice chests. Exactly. I mean, you're going to have to keep stuff cold and you may not have refrigeration. So now this is the natural time to have the Yeti or non-Yeti debate. Yeti, Y-E-T-I, is a brand of cooler that keeps stuff cold very well and for a very long time. Costs like three, four hundred bucks. They are not cheap. I know. They're kind of the Cadillac of ice chests. And I guess if you got the money, they certainly work well. I don't know that you need one of them, but maybe in extended conditions you do. Remember, the outside temperature of wherever you're putting this has a huge factor on how long things will stay cold. Well, and let me just add this, because someone's going to send me an email. There's controversy on Yeti as a company. So don't yeah. uh, don't anyone hear us saying that we are endorsing them at all, because we are not. We take a neutral position on that. Coolers, make yeah. sure you have them in your preps, for sure. Yes. So there you go. Well, here's what you missed from a recent after show if you're not a Patreon. Some people are so worried about being thought of as a braggart that they won't say I'm good at something and they won't tell themselves that they're good at something that they're actually good at. It's just terrible. Everybody's good at something and everybody's bad at a whole lot more stuff. Why can't we all just be honest like that? I think this is a woke thing where it's like, you're bragging, you're just being arrogant or whatever. Shush. There is so doggone much more to this show than the regular show. You can find out what you're missing for a poultry $2 a month. And you ask yourself, self, how do I improve my listening experience? Well, you go to prepping2-0.com and click on the Patreon button. That's how you do it. Announcements. We have some big news. Uh, 2.5 million downloads. We mentioned it last week, but it is such great news. We wanted to mention we it this week, it too. Going. 2.5 million downloads. You know what that is? That's 2.5 million thank yous to you, the listener. Thank you so much. We realized something about Patreon that, frankly, we should have seen a while ago. And that is a lot of you, we actually got a list now of people have expired cards. So you're not Patreons anymore because your card expired and you couldn't get to the Patreon part. And you're like, this is really frustrating. And every now and then one of you will send us an email going, why can't I get my episodes? And honestly, we don't know until now. And just so you know, when you guys ask us Patreon technical support questions, the answer is we don't know. So here's what you should do. You should re-sign up and use a new card that hasn't expired. And if you're having glitchy problems with Patreon, the best way to do is to cancel your account. Yes, we just said that. 
and then redo it. Go in and double check that your credit card is expired. Exactly. It's such a simple thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a great New Year's resolution. My resolution is to rejoin Patreon. Another thing that Patreons get is the table of contents to our new book. It's seven pages long, single space. Just the table of Just contents. Just the table this of contents. This is a meaty book. You're going to look at this and say, ooh, I need to know that. Ooh, I need to know that. So we are very excited to get to the table of contents. As I say, the projected publication date is February 1st. It's always kind of hard to have an exact date. Well, here's what we're going to talk about today. You got to eat. And how you select, preserve, store, and inventory food is an extremely important topic. Our new book called Food Preps 2.0 tells you everything you need to know about this topic. It's the only book to our knowledge that allows you to check off food preps from your list of things to learn about. We put about three years into writing this book and it shows. All righty. So what we're going to do, we put out to our patrons who come up with great stuff for us to talk about. We put out a question to them a few weeks ago, gosh, a month ago, ask us questions about food preps. At the same time as our book is over here in this slow roll of production. And we're like, we'd like to talk about the book. And we also have these, let's marry them together and make a really good show. What do you kinda think? Kind of like Gwen? you and me got married. Kind of like that. So mm-hmm. we're going to kind of in answering and talking and discussing these questions along with kind of highlighting our book. What yeah, do you say? Exactly. So we're going to answer the Patreon questions and then we'll say something like, you know, this kind of reminds us of a chapter we did on whatever. We're not going to like read to you from the chapter. We're just going to give you a smattering, a word I love, by the way, smattering of the topics covered by this book. We're not going to like sit there and read the table of contents because that would be awful podcasting and we try not to do that. So we're just going to kind of free for all kind of mesh them together. And I think you're going to come away with answers to Patreon questions. All of the questions are good. And you're also going to say, golly, there's a book out there that does this. And I hope we don't sound obnoxious telling you about this book, but we are so excited. We worked really hard on this and we are extremely proud of it. Let's be honest. You don't hear me or Shelby say very often, we're very proud of something we did, but once in a while, it, it, it completely merits saying it because I'm telling you, this is the book. We don't know of one that is more comprehensive on this topic. It has sample recipes. It has Excel spreadsheets about how many calories you need. It is the one-stop thing. That's what we did with this. We didn't just want to do a recipe book. We didn't just want to do a thing, an overview of uh, freeze-drying food. We wanted to give you everything you need. One-stop shopping is how I describe it. This first question that we have is a great example of how we're going to discuss it. And Mm -hmm. then we're going to say, hey, we talk about this in our book. So from Mike Luce, First question, Glenn, have you ever used Azure Standard for bulk preps? Is it a good place for that? And then we have Marjorie who piped in and said this, I've used Azure for 15 years there. May I stop you for yes, a moment? You may. How do you spell Azure? Because it may not be apparent and people might want to look it up. It's like the color A-Z-U-R-E, Azure. I had no idea there was a color yes. called Azure. Yes, there is. I didn't get the 64 Crayola box when no, I was a didn't. kid because we were too poor. You had the five colors. I would have eaten the crayons <laughs> and because and we didn't have any food. So, okay, Azure, A-Z-U-R-E is a color and mm-hmm. a website. Keep going, please. And, and a food provider. Oh, yeah. I've used Marjorie again. I've used Azure for about 15 years. There are pros and cons. Now, let me stop there before I keep going. So what you do is you go online, you order from Azure, and then you meet their big truck in a parking lot and you get your order like once a month. So it's kind of one of these buy bulky kind of things. So when she says there are pros and cons, I've gotten almost all of our bulk foods from there, but you have to be flexible on pickup days and times because they can change last minute. Their inventory control system leaves a lot to be desired. So even if something is in stock when you order, it can be out of stock when your order ships. And well, I've never had an issue after almost 2K pounds of various grains. Some are reporting that their wheat is coming in full of chaff. They also have a fuel upcharge if you're east of their original routes. I'm completely stocked on grains and beans now, but I still use them for bulk honey, sucanat, powdered milk, coconut oil, much cheaper than tropical traditions and the same quality and the spices. So there's a review. I will say this. We, Glenn and Shelby, don't use Azure Standard. Years ago, I played some orders from them. I have nothing bad to say. Their selections are very organic. They're very kind of Trader Josie, where it's, you know, organic, whole grains, whole foods. It's not sugared cereal. High fructose corn syrup. Right. It's going to be good natural food. 
And as a very general rule, I would recommend them as one of your places to consider. And I think that Azure, and I have no personal experience with them, seems like one of these things that works better if you live in a populated area. Because let me tell you, in our little town in Montana, they're not going to have a drop-off point, which means we they would They actually have... do. Really? They do. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Why? Because I Boy, know- Boy, do a, I look dumb. One-dimensional prepper lives here in our little town and she uses them. So I did not know that. Well, so let's scratch everything. She's not, that, exactly. She's not a one dimensional. She actually is a two dimensional, three dimensional. Yeah, she's a, about a trillion dimensional yeah. prepper. So, okay. But one concern you may have, <laughs> nice recovery, Glenn. Yeah. One concern you may have is I probably don't live in a place that gets served by Azure. Oh, maybe you do. So go ahead and check and don't be dumb like Glenn. For us, I mean, we're in Western Montana. We are not incredibly far away. We're an hour or so away from a major city. If you're really, really far out in a very, very rural where you have to drive multiple hours, you're probably not going to have an Azure standard drop. Yeah. So there you go. And one of the things we talk about in Food Preps 2.0 book is getting bulk grains. We're going to leave it at that. We have another question about that. We'll probably end up answering it. But to give you a flavor of what's covered, stuff like bulk grains is covered in the book and it's a Patreon question. And Marjorie hits on it when answering that question. They're good for buying bulk things. And it's not just bulk grains. It is also dog food, bulk sugar, bulk beans. There's a lot bulk dog food, bulk chicken food. I mean, you can get a lot of big order items from Azure as well. So check it out. That is terrific. Well, I mentioned that we were going to talk about bulk grains. And what's our next question from Bob Rackham? What is the best method for bulk grain storage? And by bulk, he means 500 plus pounds. Well, that's grain storage, not sourcing. Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as grain storage goes, in all candor, we do not get into this in the book because the book is a summary of everything we've learned over the past 15 years, which is a lot of stuff. However, we haven't done absolutely everything. We have not done bulk grains, which in hindsight was a good idea. You're saying, what? Not getting some food items is a good idea? Kind of, because now I am allergic to gluten and I don't want 500 pounds of stuff I can't eat because that is no fun. Exactly. So as a general rule, this is what I know. Bulk grains, just like most food, when you're going to store them away for a long time, air tightness. Mm-hmm. So where my brain goes to, and I know it's accurate, is to those you know ten gallon, five gallon buckets with the snap on lids. Throw in an oxygen absorber. I mean that goes and for maybe s- the uh, metallic mylar bags. Mm-hmm. And we do cover mylar bags, and we do cover buckets with lids. We go into detail about the kind of lids you want, and the mylar bags, how you want to do it, the equipment you need shortcuts you can take and shortcuts you cannot take. Mm -hmm. So we do cover it that way. I do know from the book, we were surprised to find out that wheat berries, which may not be the kind of bulk grain you Mm -hmm. get, but wheat berries pretty much last forever. I seem to remember, maybe this is a wives' tale, that there were some wheat berries stored in the pyramids of Egypt Mm -hmm. and they popped them out and ate them. Not something I would have done because I don't want to have a mummy inside of me because mummies are everywhere. They didn't eat them. They actually germinated them and grew. Oh, okay. That's what they did. See, you know, I am falling down on my accuracy. (laughs) I'm here to help, honey. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Grain storage. It's covered in the book and that's what we know. Well, I want to add to this though, between Mike Luce and Bob Rackham's questions, a couple of places to source grains, just to throw this large bulk grains. And we'll get more of this into it is Azure. You might check Azure. <coughs> the other one is, and we'll probably hit this a couple more times, LDS food mm-hmm. pantries that are nearby. The other one that you and I talked about, because we have a friend that does this. If you live in a rural community or near a rural agriculture, agriculture we definitely, although wheat is not grown where we are those local farm co-ops and see if you can't like grain elevator co-ops yeah and see if you can't go in and say what do you guys do with when you have an extra barrel or two and the story i got from a very good friend of mine about this was he got to know some farmers which is key once again developing networks it's important he got to know some farmers and they had i think it was like 11 tons or something of grain in a grain elevator and they sold 10 tons and they had a ton left over, you're actually doing the farmers a favor Mm -hmm. by taking it off their hands because otherwise they have to get rid of it. I don't think it stores like for more than a year. And so it was ridiculously cheap. I remember there were 55 gallon barrels of wheat berries or hard wheat that were like 50 bucks. It was actually 
hard to physically move them and get them into a truck bed. That was the biggest part was, of the project. And they were it wasn't ar- the money. And they were already stored in barrels, yeah. if I recall. Yeah, or they had barrels handy and they, right. they did that. So that would be something that is outside the scope of our Food Preps mm-hmm. 2.0 book, which is a good place to remind folks about the scope of the book. We tried to put 15 years of knowledge about a gigantic topic into a book that wasn't 900 pages long. And so what we often would do is bring up points, things for you to think about. For example, bulk grains. A lot of you listening to this now are like, I never thought of going to a grain elevator and getting a bunch of bulk wheat that can be ground into bread. And we'll talk about that. And the book talks about that. So we will give you a lot of ideas. We'll give you a little teeny start. And often, if you have the search terms provided to you, the internet is your friend and you can find out a lot about it. So when I talk about the scope of the book, I mean to say this, we did not try to do it all. We did a heck of a lot and it is the one-stop shopping topic. I mean, it, it covers everything, it covers a lot. all kinds of preservation methods you never thought of, you never even heard of. And we do have at the back of the book, an appendix. I love that word. It, it reminds me of a useless body part. Anyway. Location um, of where you carry a firearm. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's two meanings. You're welcome. Good for you. And so we have resources, we have websites that, and and we have YouTube channels. And we really wanted to make this, as I say, the one-stop shop for everything, you know, knowledge-wise, or you need to know knowledge-wise, not, you know, down to like how many minutes you home can pork for, because we're not going to be wrong by five minutes and you get trichinosis (laughs) because we're not into that. Yeah, it's it is the one thing you need. It's your starter kit, mm-hmm. and it's a good way to put it. And starter kit doesn't mean it's inadequate. It means it's where you start. And there's going to be tons of stuff in there you never thought of. And um, I'm going to come bring us back to the topic of bulk uh, grain storage. One thing I will add: the LDS uh, food pantries where you can go yeah. buy bulk food. What's really cool about when you buy it from them is their grains are already in sealed number 10 tin cans. Mm. They're sealed. Right. So boom, you're you're done on you're that. You're good for 50 years. Yeah. So let me just jump aside and yes. give a great shout out to our wonderful sponsors. You can find all of them at prepping2-0.com. Click on friends and affiliates over there. You're going to find survival garden seeds. You betcha. I've already placed mm-hmm. my order for my spring planting. Come and take it armor. Katie Armor. Backwoods Home Magazine, another great issue just came out. Mm-hmm. New Man of Foods, great place as well to find those bulk food items. EMP Shield, help you protect your home and your vehicle from a CME or an EMP. Uh, podcast Access. We love Podcast you Access. You are listening to his products right now. He is the producer of our show. If you had a New Year's resolution, how can I do something cool and maybe make some money on the side? The answer very likely is start a podcast. And you're saying, uh, start a podcast. That seems really hard to do. Not when you go to podcastaxis.com. You can get in touch with Andy, our producer. And if he can make us sound awesome, and he does, then he can make anybody sound awesome. I mean, Mike Tyson could sound awesome if he did a podcast on this. Some of you get the joke. And also don't forget Gibbs Arms. Mm -hmm. All right, next question. There you have it. So this question comes from Dennis Hain. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And he says, this is kind of a hydration question. We keep a case of Pedialyte on hand as part of our emergency preps. The shelf life on those are like two years. However, I came about the powder version to add water to. Does that last longer? How much would you recommend? In a grid down situation, is it possible to have someone with some sort of illness and keeping them hydrated is important? Well, let's unpack those one yeah, by there's one. there's a bunch here. And we're not going to say, uh, this is food preps, not uh, preventative medicine so preps. So let me just start with this. Funny if voice. you are not, if you're suffering from dehydration, whatever, honestly, it's worked for millions, millions of years. Water, just drink water. You don't have to have... Uh, electrolytes. You know, electrolytes and a Gatorade. You don't have to have that. Yeah, they didn't have that like a hundred years ago. Yeah. Right. So water is always your first line of defense against dehydration. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Pedialyte. I think it makes sense to have some on hand and consider some powder. Sounds like you're layering, Dennis. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a topic that's covered in the book. You guys have heard us talk about layering. You know what we're talking about. So having some on hand is a great idea. It says the shelf life is two years. 
without knowing precisely, I'm going to make a very educated guess that the shelf life is longer mm -hmm. than two years. That's probably the best buy or best, best taste. I mean, if you're, if you've got dehydration and you need Pedialyte, uh, you're not going to sit there and go, oh, this doesn't taste good. So I'm going to throw out a completely unverified number that no one should rely upon. And that's probably five years at a minimum. So that's one thing. Oh, do we cover expiration dates and Best Buy dates in the book? We, oh, we certainly we do. We certainly do. And we also covered it. And this is off the top of my head. And I know I'm right. When we did, we that's did. That's why I love you. We've done a couple of shows with Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And yeah. I remember, I think it was on our second show that we did with them. I talked about how I, I threw away um, some open cold medicine from like three or four years before. And I said, and offhand, I'm sure that was no good. And Nurse Amy was like, no, it's probably pretty good, actually. Yeah. So when it comes to things like that, especially in a powdered form where you don't have it in some sort of liquid that has some sort of a stabilizer in it, I think you're fine. And especially if you're storing it well, honestly, those little packs that you have, speaking from experience, knowing what's in our preps, just put it, run them through your uh, food saver, your vacuum sealer to make sure that they're super airtight. I think you are going to last you a whole long time. I would highly recommend getting the powdered version. Absolutely. Because it takes up less space. It's going to be more stable. Sh shelf stable. It's going to last longer. Um, and it's a fantastic barter item. Yes. Do we cover in Food Preps 2.0 yes, the topic of bartering and how you can, should always be thinking about the bartering aspect of something, especially little things, you know, I mean, it's it's a very small space that it takes up. Um, so uh, in general, I would say, and I'm trying to think of any exceptions, not coming up with any, so I'll say in general, if you can get something that is powdered and needs water, I would usually go with that over mm -hmm. the complete Absolutely. thing that already has the water. Because well, why, why have storage space for a bunch of water when exactly. you've got to have water anyway, Pro One water filters, because if you don't have the water to make the mixture, you're dead anyway. If you're dehydrated and don't have enough water to make Pedialyte, um, you know, time to write your will. Absolutely. So two things, just a, two things. We cover hydrating and nutrition and all of that in our books. Chapter 17, we definitely cover bulk grains. So these are all things that we hit on for sure. So are we ready for the next question? That was a good one, by the way. We are. Yes. Um, yeah. Is it my turn? Or your it turn? is. It's your turn. Oh, gosh. Uh, yep. That's me. Asks, I love it. He, by the way, extra points for cool profile <laughs> names. Let's talk. Remember the last show that we yeah. did where it's like, all the good names are taken too. Yeah. Well, yep, that's me. Took one of the good names, didn't he? That's right. Or she. Can okay, canned food versus freeze drying that same food. Where I live, we regularly hit negative thirty, negative forty. Huh, they must be neighbors. Mm -hmm. Most of our our stored food our store bought food. Store bought food canned canned store bought food needs to be kept warm to prevent damage. Amen. I spoke to one person who has freeze dried all his stored canned food, soups, stews, and more. Have any of you done this? The heating cost alone would pay for the freeze dryer and ease of storage if I if need be. Moving storage, blah, blah, blah. I'm about to get the largest one. Pros, cons, go, Glenn. Uh, let's take these because there are so many great topics lot. in here. And it's so relevant to your life. We'll take them one by one. Canned food versus freeze drying. So... We just, we just took uh, yeah. a look at the clock, folks. We're yeah. going to take up this super meaty, get what I see, what I did there. Oh, I see what you did On the other side of the break, because we want to make sure we give, yup, that's me, mm -hmm. a lot of, we want to give this question some, uh, some time. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. 
Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One water filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One water filter gravity systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N. NEUSA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started with our conversation about food preps. Oh, my gosh, we have so much to talk about. But for even more, be sure to stick around for the after show, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. Are you thinking about moving to Idaho? It's a great state to Absolutely. move to. Absolutely. Well, we're not, but we're saying that oh, people should be. They'd be our neighbor. Oh, yeah, kind of. You want to talk to Paul Burke. He's an Idaho realtor. He's one of us, a super good guy. His website is paulburkeidhomesearch.net. And let me break that down for you. That's Paul, that's easy, Burke with an E, ID for Idaho, homesearch.net. So check him out. Archive Dive. This is where we go back and we look at an old episode that you should know about because we have so many new listeners. You may not know that there's such good stuff in the past. This would be episode 105, which aired in November of 2020, Bug Out Location Jobs and Roles. I broke it down to where there are 15, in my mind, 15 separate roles that need to be fulfilled at a bug out location. Sanitation, you need to have a lock guy, you need to have the water boy I talked about, somebody whose job it is to make sure that there's fresh water. Now, you don't need 15 separate people for this. Same person may do several jobs, but I must say, it was a very unique and I think informative approach to all the stuff that needs to get done. And then we talked about how you might divvy up these tasks. So it was also a rebroadcast a couple episodes ago. It's that good. So that's episode 105, Bug Out, Jobs and Roles. I was just starting before Shelby correctly alerted me to the uh, time limitation. We were unpacking the uh, question from Yep, That's Me. And we'll go through sentence by sentence what he or she said, talks about where they live. It hits negative 30 to negative 40. 
And then he or she says, I'm just going to say, yep, that's me, because he or she is kind of annoying. Yep, that's me, says, most of our store-bought canned food needs to be kept warm to prevent damage. What's that all about? Do you need to keep it at 120 degrees? No, you need to keep it above freezing because store-bought canned food is largely water. And of course, water expands when it freezes. And, and the you, cans explode, speaking from experience in Western Montana. Yeah. And so it's a thing. You just, though, and we cover this in the book, you just need to keep it above 32 degrees. Probably, you know, you could go a little lower than that because stuff doesn't expand at 30 degrees on the but nose. But at negative 30, you're out of luck. You're, yeah, yeah, you're busted. And you're going to have exploded food, which is kind of nasty. You're probably not going to realize it until the spring thaw, in which time the food has rotted and attracted rodents. So it's not just you're going to lose that can. That's just the beginning of your problem. It's a big mess. It is a huge problem. And this, by the way, doubly applies to glass jars of home canned food. That's another consideration. We talk about that in the book, pros and cons of home canned food. One of the cons is they're glass jars and they're fragile and subject to temperature variations. So good on you. Yup, that's me for thinking of the temperature at which you store store-bought canned food. And then, yup, that's me goes into a solution about this, and that is freeze drying stored canned food. And I would add to that freeze drying food in general. Mm-hmm. Is that a good idea? Yeah, it is on a variety of levels. We have several pages, an entire chapter and many subparts on freeze-dried foods. We also have a past episode on freeze-dried foods. The key term to search for is harvest right. You go to prepping2-0.com on our homepage and the upper right thing is a little magnifying glass and you type in harvest right and you're going to come to the episode about freeze-dried foods. But it is a particularly good solution to this freezing problem mm-hmm. and uh, highly recommended. It takes up less space to freeze-dry food. It weighs less. So if you have a bunch of tubs and it they're stacked longer. on top of you, yeah, it lasts longer. The only downside is that it takes time and energy. And by energy, I mean more of your energy. I mean, there's like, you know, five, 10 bucks per load on on the electric bill. So that's not a huge deal. In general, my approach, if you've solved the temperature problem and in our food prep storage place, we have a space heater going in the winter, which costs a trillion dollars, by the way, but it's so worth thanks it. for being a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thanks we're, for paying our electrical exactly. bill. <laughs> uh, we keep it warm for the canned food, but we're big fans of layering. You've heard us say that before, and that's having a variety of different kinds of foods that have different attributes and they have different pros and cons. I would be a fan of having stored canned food because it's easy. You buy it, you stack it correctly, and as long as you're not in a freezing situation, it's okay. And having some freeze-dried food. And yep, that's me. One of the questions asked as we go through these questions, have you done this? I will say yes, we have. We've freeze-dried food. We haven't well, gone and freeze-dried all of our canned food. No, correct. We have freeze-dried canned food. Number 10, yes. 10 cans of chili. So let me give you an example. Taking chili out of the can, added cheese, hot dogs, onions, onions. and basically made like a... A chili dog. Yeah, without the Without the bread Mm -hmm. and freeze-dried it. And that is in our freeze-dried stores. I did not mean to imply, and apparently I did, I did not mean to imply that you would never, ever freeze-dry store-bought canned food. Most certainly you should and could. I was getting from this question, and maybe I was wrong, would it be a good idea to take all of our store-bought canned food and freeze-dry it? And I would say no, but definitely when there's stuff that you really want, like you know, the chili with the fixins. I yeah, mean, if you want, what a great morale boost that's going to be. Well, and that's where I'm getting at. Yep, that's me. You're in a climate that goes to negative 30, 40. What I cannot in good conscience say to you is go to the grocery store and buy some number 10, 10 cans and store. If you have winters that hit that cold every year, that's a waste of money. It is a guaranteed popped can. I do think you can open up those cans, freeze dry them, Add fixins mm-hmm. if you want to dress it up a little bit and make it more personal to your taste and likings and definitely freeze dry it. I think that is, you just talked yourself into the solution that you need. Yep, that's me. I can tell his or her head is in the game because, yep, that's me, mm-hmm. says the heating cost alone, meaning for keeping the store-bought canned food above freezing, the heating cost alone would pay for the freeze dryer. And that's probably true. You know why Absolutely. I like where your head is? Mm-hmm. You're thinking about 
total cost of ownership. You're thinking about what is this cost in the end? You're thinking about having a system. You're putting thought into this. Absolutely. And you've thought it out and you've penciled it out. So the pros are all there for you. Yep, that's me. There's very few cons. Mm -hmm. If you're doing prepping, the only con I can think of, if you're talking about the prepping kind of volume that you want to be able to put away a lot of food long-term, the batches that you can do in a freeze dryer are not, you're going to be doing a lot of batches, even mm-hmm. in a large freeze dryer. Is it worth it? I do think so, because it's not worth just taking a can of food and letting it blow up every winter. That's money literally out the window. I think you're on the right track. I think for you and your climate and environment, that's a good thing for you. Here's the one thing you need to know, though. You are not going to be able to run your freeze dryer when it's negative 30 degrees. Yeah, They cannot run below a certain degree, and I'm not forgetting what it is, you will need to do all of your freeze drying in the summer. Exactly. And the electrical load on your circuit, see what I did there? I'm like an electrician and stuff. I know that word might be too much because those food freeze dryers use a tremendous amount of electricity. You're going to probably have to get a new high amp Yeah, especially yeah, if you get the large one, you need to get a high amp socket. So And you're limited by, you can't freeze dry when it's like over 100 degrees. You can't freeze dry when it's like below 20 degrees or something like that. So it needs to be kind of in a moderate temperature, which is basically going to be a lot of months in the spring, a lot of months in the fall, not the super hot. Which is when the food is around. Yeah, and and it's not the super hot and it's not the super cold. So I I think you're on the right track. Just know that you have limits on that as well. So let's go on to Donald Shoemaker. Yes. So Donald asks... What are the top 10 dry food items that you use a vacuum sealer for? I'm looking for items that are not for freezer use. And then Brian jumps in and says, raw scrambled eggs, diced ham, any casserole, anything that comes in a number 10 tin can. Brian, I appreciate that. But he asked dry food items. Mm-hmm. I don't suggest vacuum sealing raw scrambled eggs and keeping them at room temperature. No. The vacuum sealing keeps the air out. Well, 99.9% of it. But it's uh, not going to help you. And I don't think that's what Brian meant. I I think Brian misunderstood the question. But so here we go. And Shelby, verify, am I looking at the table of contents for the book right now? No, but I know it's in the book. Go ahead. It is in the book. Okay. Top 10 dry food items that you would use a vacuum sealer for. Beans. And I'm not going to go pinto beans and navy beans. That's two. I'm not going to use up. Yeah. All kinds of beans. All kinds Um, of rice. All kinds of rice. Pancake mix. All kind of of mix. Flour mix. And try to stay away from things that have oil in them. Yeah. Yeah. And also try to stay away from things that require additional ingredients like eggs and mm-hmm. milk because you're going to need those and they don't store as well. And Shelby's right about if fat, if it's got shortening in it, it's going to go rancid, even if it's in a even vacuum seal. Yeah. The thing about fats going rancid is it's totally a matter of time. It's not a matter of oxygen. Yes, oxygen is what makes it rancid. But understand that in a vacuum sealed bag, there's a teeny bit of oxygen that's either already in there or gets in there. So it's not like it's in the space or something. But let me, I'm going to say that with a qualifier. Let's go back to the fun story where we took a bag of Krusty's pancake mix that was eight years old from it the cafeteria. It was cap- just in the Costco bag. It was not vacuum yep, sealed. Yeah, it was not vacuum sealed. It's in the Costco, you know, mm-hmm. tear off the top of the plastic bag. Yeah. Eight years old, it was still good. So I would say just yeah. when I say be careful with things that have oil in them, that's not a 25-year thing. Right. It's a medium. It's, it's over eight years, yeah, you'll be okay. I'd say eight to 10, and I wouldn't go much further than that. But don't hear me say is don't do that. Just know your time limit. Some other dry foods, again, please verify I'm not cheating and looking at a list. I would say noodles and a variety of noodles. The less pokey, the better. For example, straight spaghetti is great, like, uh, I don't know, Alfredo noodles or whatever that are wavy and have pointy tips. Those will cut through your bags. The other thing about noodles other than straight spaghetti is they have a lot of air in them. There's a lot of dead space. The worst is macaroni. You got all the air in the little macaroni you thing. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to have storage space for air because hopefully you got air elsewhere, right? And so noodles, but you put some thought into it. I'm thinking of spices, not out of the bag or the jar or whatever. I, that's something we do. We vacuum seal stuff in its original containers for a lot of stuff. A great example of that, so this counts as a second thing, not just spices, would be salt. You have to vacuum seal salt because if you just take the one pound, you know, Morton salt paper canister thing, after a while, the moisture gets into the paper. We've had this happen and it cakes up and then you can't pour it out and stuff like that. So 
spices, salt, I've lost count, but it's really not a contest about 10 exactly. Other things that I have put in there. Oh, oatmeal. Oh, yeah. Here's what I love. I love regular oatmeal, like bulk oatmeal. I get quick oats because we'll talk about this, I'm sure. And it's also in the book. We have a part of the book on cooking and it's not just recipes, although we have those too. It is about cooking in a prepping situation where ideally you're just going to want to have hot water is going to be the only ingredient. You're not going to want to, you know, flambe and saute things. You're not going to want to cook stuff because energy is going to be at a premium. And so one of the cool things about oatmeal is you can just add hot water. It works a whole lot better when you're adding hot water to quick oats as opposed to the kind you cook on the stove. You can do that, but you may not have time. You may not have the excess water that you need to clean the pan. See, it's all a system. You Mm -hmm. gotta think about all this stuff. And so I'm a big fan of quick oats. A thing that I'm even a bigger fan of in the oatmeal department is Quaker flavored packs. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, they come in like a little single serving size. And when I say single serving, I don't mean like you would be satisfied. I eat like, I don't know, 15, 20 servings a day. When I do the oatmeal stuff, like for me, like one serving, and I might go for a second serving is like four packets. So that would be eight packets would be a big boy serving. So they come in single things and that's good because you can even add water to the oatmeal, the flavored oatmeal pouch. A lot of people don't know that. That's a little pouch. It's got a little line on it where you can add water. You can make it in the pouch. You can make it in the pouch. Great way to go backpacking. Which means, yes, that you don't have to clean dishes when you don't have a lot of water and you don't have a lot of heat and you don't have a lot of time. These are all considerations. The other advantage to flavored single-use packets of oatmeal is they come in a lot of nummy flavors. And variety is a big deal. Something else is covered in the book. It's called food fatigue. And if you have nothing but beans and rice for any period of time, you're going to be hating life and it's not nutritionally balanced. And your body wants other flavors, not just for the fun of having other flavors, but that's your body's way of getting you to eat different stuff that has different nutrients. So you get some balance. Anything that's dried and anything that you want to protect, add an extra layer of protection to. Oh my gosh, you can go crazy now. One thing I do think in response to Donald's question, Brian, who jumped in and said raw scrambled eggs, diced ham. I think what Brian understood in that question is what freeze dried foods could you put into? Oh, so let me just jump in. Yes. Great point. So raw eggs. And when I freeze dry raw eggs, you bet it goes into a vacuum sealed bag, specifically a Mylar vacuum seal bag. Diced ham, same thing. Any casserole, chili, anything that comes in a number 10 tin can. You betcha. Anything that you have, it's a rule practically in our house. It is a rule. I'm going to declare it. Mm-hmm. Anything that I have freeze dried will get very quickly packed. When I say quickly, it comes out of the freeze dryer and it goes right into the Mylar bag vacuum sealed with an oxygen absorber because at least where for sure where we lived in Western Washington, if I took something out of the freeze dryer and just set it down and waited an hour, it actually starts to rehydrate from the moisture in the air. And now you've just sealed up a bunch of moist you've stuff just made and mold. you've created a mold bag. So nobody wants Literally, that. I would just keep the freeze dryer cycling until I had the free half an hour to go immediately put it into a vacuum seal bag. Oh yeah, those are two pieces of equipment that really should go hand in hand. Brian, you have touched on a rare topic of disagreement between me and Shelby. One of the other topics of disagreement is, is it called soda or is it called pop? Clearly the answer is pop. It's soda. Peanut butter cups are Reese's, they're not Reese's. Soda and Reese's. And Journey, the band, sucks. So, but anyway, I don't want to bring up like a bunch so, of contention or anything. www.glennandshelbystherapist.com mm-hmm. just called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's something we disagree on and it's, I don't know, mildly significant. I do not like freeze drying raw foods that need to be no. cooked. And here's why. No, I and, do agree with eggs, you on that. Okay. Okay. So it's not a disagreement. No, I don't. So we got some laughs about the whole journey thing. and So- Go ahead and give your side and I will give a qualifier. It's, I don't disagree with you. Okay. Go ahead. One of the great benefits of freeze-dried food is that you don't have to cook it. Remember I was talking about only needing hot water and some of them you don't even need hot water. You just need water, but that's kind of gross most of the time. So 
the beautiful thing about freeze drying is you just add hot water and boom, you've got a meal and it's ready to go. If you freeze dry raw scrambled eggs, you've now got to cook them. And that is a waste of time and a waste of energy. And it's so easy to just freeze dry the cooked food and just cook it. Now, there's one exception to what okay, I'm saying. Okay, let's see, because I have and one qualifier. Go uh, here for you it. go. If you're freeze drying raw scrambled eggs to use them in ingredients. As an ingredient, absolutely. As an ingredient okay. in recipes. Basically, like, a quarter of a cup of freeze dried raw egg is the equivalent of a scrambled raw egg to put into an ingredient. So let's say your favorite brownie mix requires eggs, not oil, not milk, that just requires eggs. You could vacuum seal your favorite brownie mix and vacuum seal some raw scrambled eggs. You would need an inventorying system to figure out how to find both halves of that recipe. We'll talk about that. And we do in the book. Okay. So we do agree. So, okay. Raw scrambled you, eggs for And it's not just eggs. There's a handful. And I don't even want to start trying to dig into my brain and figure out which one. There's a handful of things out there that you might need as an ingredient. Eggs is one of them. Eggs are one of them, I should say. Mm -hmm. So, right. So there you go. I will say this about scrambled eggs and freeze-dried scrambled eggs. We have tested this and it worked remarkably well. We went on a little outing with the team out in the woods several years ago. We and had no electricity, if I recall. We yeah, we did not. We nope. did not. So we heated up water and poured it in the Mylar bags. We freeze dry, by the way, in Mylar bags. Don't use just regular Mylar bags because they don't have the air channels for vacuum sealing. You really want to get the air out. You we, need to get air out. We yes. cover this in the book and we say, get Mylar bags for freeze-dried food that are specifically labeled for use in a vacuum sealer because it won't work otherwise. How do we know this? Uh, trial and error. So we added some hot water to scrambled eggs. And so everybody else is eating Cliff Bars and we're eating scrambled eggs with ham, onion, cheese. And they all tried a bite of it. Yeah. And they were like, they could not tell the difference. That's the thing about freeze-dried foods. There's so much, you know, internet tales about, oh, freeze-dried food tastes terrible. It's gross. It's disgusting. I don't know what you're eating, but you're not eating well, modern freeze-dried well, food. What they are eating, and I'm saying this from experience, they're eating store-bought camp yeah. backpack freeze-dried food, which has preservatives and things in it. That, tons of salt. And tons of salt that change the flavor and it doesn't taste the same. Exactly. So we've talked a lot about freeze-dried eggs. He mentions diced ham. I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. One of the cool things about freeze-drying food is that you can freeze-dry, and if you put them in littler packets, like ham, for example, um, and kind of like a, a, a size for a, a meal, you could put in some a moderate amount of diced ham and then just throw it in with the eggs. Let's say mm -hmm. you don't have scrambled eggs with ham. You just throw it in and with the water, it then rehydrates and you can have you know, flavor enhancers, you can have boosts. One of the best uses of freeze-dried food is for meat. Yes. Because cooked meat, um, because you can then throw it in a crock pot. Obviously, it'll rehydrate there. You put it in a stew. And there aren't many practical ways to preserve meat. And freeze-drying is the absolute perfect answer to that. So there is... Let me just talk about this. We have a few minutes to talk about this. If you want to make freeze your own freeze-dried meals, there's a great book out there. I've talked about this for several times. It's called Meals in a Jar. It, it talks about how to make... Whoever, meals in a jar. Meals in a jar, except you're not going to put it in a jar. If you read the book, she, the author has you put them into vacuum seal bags and seal them up, and she has you do them in bulk. And so many of her ingredients are freeze-dried meats, freeze-dried hamburger, freeze-dried uh, cheese, freeze-dried, it's all these freeze-dried th things. And she, you can totally read this book and go, she's a prepper. Although the cover of the book looks like a little Pinterest, hey, I'm going to give you a little yeah. jar full of stew for Christmas, Merry Christmas. Very good book on how to do this. What's really cool, and I want to touch on this before we have to change topics here, um, freeze-drying fat is not recommended. You can, you can listen to that. It kind of doesn't work. It doesn't work. Whatever doesn't freeze well, does not freeze dry well. Yeah. Fats don't freeze very well because of their viscosity and all of that. Viscosity. So, I like that. So when you cook out the fat out of beef, out of out of ham, out of bacon, out of that, it then becomes easier to freeze, easier to freeze dry. So 
if you ask me to freeze dry raw bacon compared to cooked bacon, I'm going to do the the cooked bacon every time. I would never freeze dry raw bacon for so many reasons. After you rehydrate it, you need to cook it. Well, right, it, exactly. But think about. I mean, I've done this. I've experimented enough with my freeze dryer that when I put something through the freeze dryer, it comes out and it's still mushy. It's not frozen. It's not stiff and crispy, which is what it needs to be. It's gelatinous. And it's gelatinous. That's not a, that's a fail. Because mm-hmm. so it's not freeze dry. It's not freeze dry. It's, not, it's not, not gonna. It's not going to keep. Let's have raw bacon in a bag for 25 years Gosh, and no. see what happens. So that's just kind of a principle to think about. So go ahead, Glenn. Another thing Brian mentions, presumably for freeze drying, and he's spot on about this. This is a topic also covered in the prepping uh, or the food preps 2.0 book. He says any casserole. What a fantastic use of a food freeze dryer. You can make extra of stuff like chili. Let's be honest. There's a lot of freeze dried chili. Shelby's chili, fresh cooked, is amazing. After day number four, I'm not super into it. So what do you do? You eat it for four days and let's say there's four more days of chili because you can't cook a small batch of chili. I mean, not unless you're a communist. So, and we're not communists, so we don't do that. So you can freeze dry leftovers. What is the cool thing about that? Number one, they're leftovers. They might've gone to waste. Number two, it's food you know you're going to eat. You know you're going to like it. I love Shelby's chili. And the more I talk about this, I'm thinking we need to make a little chili yeah, coming up right. here. So it is fantastic. It saves you money. Um, now, and this was alluded to with the uh, with the heating bills, the heating bills alone for protecting store-bought canned food might, you know, start to break even on a food freeze dryer. They're very expensive. They're three, four thousand bucks. Yeah. I haven't looked lately. I, I haven't either because we've had ours. Because we're scared to. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, so, but by the way, if you're going to get one, please check out our link yeah. over on our on our page because we get a little we get a little perk from that. So appreciate it. Doesn't cost you any more money. Uh, uh, prepping two zero.com friends and family friends and affiliates tab friends and affiliates tab, and uh, go look for the harvest right thing. Um, so those are some thoughts on freeze drying. I think we've come to a good spot to break from the regular show, and let's tell folks about. The after show. If you're a regular show listener, you've probably never heard the candidly hilarious lightning round questions. Shelby f- comes up with these lightning round questions, usually for me. Sometimes I ask her the questions, and it's the first thing that comes to your head. It is a nice break. We talk, you know, in the regular show about the world ending, and then we talk more about it in the after show. But the break is um, something fun and uh, frivolous. And the cool thing about lightning round is. You can play along at home and you can say, ooh, you know what I would say. So it's fun. Well, and, we, and we, we're going to carry on a few more of these questions and uh, talk about some more. And, we, and there's also a whole community over there. We, we share videos. We mm-hmm. share other things. There's People all, ask us questions. Ask us questions that we bring here on the show. There's a whole other side on the Patreon side. And, and I've put up a bunch of videos about some of the things that I'm doing around the house to get ready for spring and gardening. So, folks, on that happy note, from Benjamin Franklin... Don't forget, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.